0: this morning. We're continuing our study in the book of Galatians. So we've gone as far as chapter four, verse 22. That's where I'm going to begin reading Galatians. You'll find that epistle right after first, second Corinthians, then Galatians, the fourth chapter. And we'll begin reading at verse 22 It's a good time to turn our ringers off our phones. And uh, we want to be focused on the things of the Lord and what he has to say to us through the written word for the next few moments. Chapter 4 of Galatians. And let's read verse 22. For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondwoman, the other by a free woman. But he who was of the bondwoman was born according to the flesh, and he of the free woman through promise. Father, we do give this time the study of your word. We ask that you would just speak to our hearts, and we thank you for this epistle, that we learn the gospel of grace. We want to be established in it. We want to walk in it, and Lord, I thank you that we're not yoked to, to legalism, to the law, but to Christ himself, the one who on that hillside would cry out that We are to come to him, all of us who are weary and heavy laden. And the Lord said, I will give you rest. And come learn of me and yoke yourself to me personally. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. So Lord, I thank you for these truths that have blessed so many people in the last several weeks. Of knowing that we don't have to yoke ourselves to legalism or to the law. But we yoke ourselves to what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross. I pray that every heart would be encouraged this morning. And, Lord, that we would walk out of here being free. We would walk out of here just more in love with you than when we came. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. In reading these two verses, 22 and 23, most of you know the story as he makes reference once again to Abraham recorded for us in the book of Genesis. In chapter 12, God spoke to Abraham and Abram that leave your father's house and go to the place that I will show you, and I'm going to make you a great nation. Now, Abraham was 75 at that time, and Sarah was 65. They didn't have any children. And as you move forward, Genesis chapter 15, as the Lord comes to Abraham once again and says, Abraham, look at the stars of heaven and so shall your descendants be. And Abraham said, I don't have any children. Is it going to be the heir through my servant Eleazar? And the Lord answered and said, no, it's going to be from you, Abraham. And of course, we have seen that Paul, in, in, bringing the, in defending the gospel of grace and defining it, has used Abraham as an illustration of justification. That he quotes from Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, that Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. You move into Genesis chapter 16. More time passes by. Sarah has no children and says to Abraham, her husband, Go into my maid servant Hagar, the Egyptian maidservant, and have a son with her. So Abraham agrees to that. And Ishmael is born. Genesis chapter 17, when Abraham was 99 years old, and God comes to Abraham and speaks to him and reiterates his promise to Abraham, that you're going to be the father of many nations. And he gave Abraham at that point the covenant of circumcision. And Sarah, your wife, is going to bear a son. And you may recall, if you're familiar with that chapter, the response of Abraham. Shall a woman who's 90 years old have a a child and a man who's 100 years old? And Abraham cried out to the Lord, oh, that Ishmael might live before you. In other words, let the promise that you made to me go through Hagar in Ishmael. And the Lord said, no, no, Abraham. But Sarah, your wife shall bear a son and you shall call his name Isaac, which means laughter. And I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant with his descendants after him. So it's important for us to have that background of Abraham and, and God working and bring that promise to be fulfilled through Abraham and Sarah, so we can understand the truth, that illustration that, that account there given to us in Genesis, so we can understand the truth that Paul is pressing here. So back to our text here in Galatians. Paul writes that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondwoman that would be Ishmael born of Hagar Sarah's handmaiden and then the other one is Isaac born of a free woman Sarah and the point that Paul is bringing out here is you who want to put yourselves under the law and that's who he's writing to you who are looking for the law to be circumcised to be justified before God think back at what happened to Abraham when he tried to offer God the works of the flesh it didn't work out it didn't work out that great Think about uh, you who are legalists, you who are Judaizers, you who are yoking yourself to the law. Ishmael was born according to the flesh. What is it meant by that? Abraham, you and Sarah are going to have an heir. It's not through Eleazar, but you, Abraham, you, Sarah. And as they waited for the promise to be fulfilled, there was a problem. They thought the years go by and Sarah isn't conceiving. They're getting older. Hey, we're getting to the point of no return. It's not happening. It's been years. So what we need to do is we need to help God out. I know that he gave a promise to us, but it seems that he needs some help from us. And it appears that God has made a promise that he really can't keep. So let's bail him out. Let's help him out. Uh, If we don't do this, it's going to look bad. I mean, we're just getting started in the book of Genesis, and we got a long ways to go. So we better get involved here. So Sarah says to Abraham, Husband, take Hagar, have a son with her. And that way, we're going to help God out. And Abraham says, Okay. And so when Ishmael is born, and then when he's 13 years old, and Abraham's 99, the covenant of circumcision comes. And Abraham, you and Sarah, you're going to have a child next year. But Lord, may Ishmael live, was the response of Abraham. May the works of my flesh live. And God said no. And the Lord refused to acknowledge the work of Abraham's flesh. You, you guys that are wanting to yoke yourself and put yourself under the law, you want to, to yoke yourself to legalism, to the law and to circumcision, and you want God to acknowledge the works of your flesh and efforts, well, God gave a promise to us, didn't he? That through your seed, Abraham, singular, Messiah, the Savior, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. That those who come to Christ by faith will be justified. But the legalists will say, well, we got to help God out we got to help him out with our own efforts and keeping the law to be justified before you, Lord. And he says, no, I will not recognize the works of the flesh. And it's not the works of the flesh that will save you or me. It is the work of the Spirit that justifies us as we come to faith in Jesus Christ. And it is faith that we live by. The promise of the given to us through the truth of the gospel, the gospel of grace. Galatians chapter 2, verse 16. You should have that verse underlined in your Bible. We've already gone through it. But a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. And even we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ, and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law... No flesh will be justified. Isaac is God's promise of faith. Ishmael is the work of the flesh. So are you going to base your relationship to God's promise of faith or on your own works to be righteous before God? Remember Abraham. He had two sons. Ishmael symbolizes those who trust in their own works. Isaac, those who trust in the work of Jesus Christ. Now you might be thinking, okay, I get it. I'm established, I understand the truth of Galatians, that justification comes by faith, not by the law, that the law just declares us guilty and is to be a schoolmaster to to point us to Jesus Christ, our need for the Savior of the world. But I want to make a secondary application here as we're looking at the promise that Abraham had to wait to be fulfilled by God. You see, Abraham had to wait for that promise to be worked out in his life. And what can happen is I I walk with God. There are the promises of God that are given to me through his word. And then there's a delay in that promise being worked out in my life. It's not happening the way that I think that it should. It's not happening in the timing that I think that it should. And we do live in an instant world. I've mentioned that before. If you call this number, I saw an advertisement not long ago, that you can get instant credit in 10 minutes. All you have to do is call, and you'll have the money for that card that you want to get. We have instant communication Many of you probably text somebody this week, and instantly it goes to them. We have instant delivery, Amazon Prime, overnight delivery. Hey, two days at the most. We go to fast food, and we want to get our fast food right away, and we get impatient when it doesn't happen. If we have to wait more than 10 minutes if it is an instant. And what can happen is, is then we then begin to carry that into our spiritual lives. Okay, Lord, I've read your promise. You you put this promise on my heart. And we want it to be fulfilled. We want it to be worked out in 10 minutes. Perhaps 10 hours or 10 days. And when it doesn't happen we begin to think, Lord, I guess i got to help you out. I know I've been there. I've got to make this thing happen. i got to give God a hand. I know that this is the plan of God. And I'll have to do this, and I'll have to scheme, and I'll have to come up with this, this plan to make it happen. And Lord, then you get behind me, and you bless it. Lord, come on, you get behind me and I'll lead and you bless it and recognize it. And we plan and strive and we work to make God's promise true and it ends up being a work of the flesh. It ends up being an Ishmael. Maybe you're here this morning and God made a promise to you that he'll meet your needs. He's going to work in your situation in your life. When it comes to your children and you've been waiting, and you wait. Maybe it's something you read in the word of verse that the Lord said, that's for you. He spoke to you about it. And then there's a delay in God working in that situation, in our lives, in that circumstance. And we think, okay, the delay, Lord, is it your denial? Are you not big enough to make this promise happen? I guess i got to help you out, Lord. And instead of waiting on him, and it ends up becoming a work of the flesh, and I cry out like Abraham did, let the work of my flesh, let my Ishmael live on. So the question is, why does God delay? Is it because he's not big enough to bring his promise to pass? This Christmas season, we know the verse of Isaiah chapter 9. For unto us a child is born and unto us a son is given. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor Mighty God Everlasting Father Prince of Peace. You see the Lord came to Abraham and said that Abraham, I am God Almighty. He is mighty God, he is almighty. There's nothing too difficult, too hard too confusing, where he can't work. He's the creator of the universe. And if he created the universe and created you, that whatever promise he's given to you, that he's big enough to bring it to pass. Remember Daniel chapter 6, Daniel's thrown into the den of lions, and, and there is King Darius, he's so upset, and he's up all night, and in the morning, when the sun comes up, he runs to the pit where Daniel was thrown into the den of lions, and he yells down, Daniel, servant of the most high God, has, is your God able to deliver you from the mouths of the lion? And all of a sudden, a voice came up from that pit, and said, King Darius, that he is able will you always remember that he is able? And especially when you find yourself in a pit where you feel like the enemy who's a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, that our God is able and the promise that he's given to you, maybe it's towards your children, maybe it's in your job or your business or in your marriage or your health, whatever it might be, and the Lord has spoken to you, given a promise to you. He is God Almighty. Does God's delay mean denial? That he won't be faithful to bring that promise to pass? No, his delays doesn't mean denial. Because we also know what's declared of God, his character, his name, his essence. He is the true and faithful God. And God doesn't change his promises. Paul has made that very clear here, even in this epistle. It's declared that throughout all of Scripture. That brings comfort to me. His promises are true. Well, we begin to think, well, does God's delay means of his promise in my life? Does it mean that he procrastinates? No. But he does prepare. And God is preparing you, preparing me for the time when he will fulfill that promise that he's given to you, and he wants you to trust him and to rest in that, his love for you, to rest that he's going to bring the pass at the right time in the perfect time that promises what he's spoken to you. Abraham's 75 years old, and all of a sudden, about 12 years later, when he's 86, that we got to help God out here. Hubby, you need to to go and have a son through Hagar because he got impatient. And we can become very impatient. I've been there. And we push God and we rush God. And there has been in my life, I've had an Ishmael on my hands. And he says to us this morning, he wants us to live by faith and grow in our faith as we wait on him. He's working in ways that we don't always know or see But we know that his timing is perfect. And in his time, he makes all things beautiful. Amen? In his time. So we begin to falter when we're waiting and know that the scripture says that as we wait on him, he'll be gracious to us. Know that the scripture says as we wait on him that he will be good to us. That as we wait on him, They help become compassionate to us. And also Isaiah declares that as we wait on him, that he will strengthen us. And if we begin to falter in our faith or become impatient, we begin to say, hey, I'll help God out. I'll do this work of the flesh. And we have Ishmael on our hands. And Ishmael was born according to the flesh, and Isaac born of the free woman through the promise In verse 24, as we continue, which things are symbolic, for these are the two covenants, the one from Mount Sinai, which gives birth to bondage, which is Hagar. For this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia, and corresponds to Jerusalem, which now is, and is in bondage with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free, which is the mother of us all. In verse 27, for it is written, Rejoice, O barren, you who do not bear, break forth and shout, you who are not in labor, for the desolate has many more children than she who has a husband. So what does Paul mean here? Understand this. When we study the New Testament, such as what we're doing this morning, when you read the commands, the principles, the truths that are there, oftentimes you will find an illustration or a picture of it in an old testament. You know that? That's why I just I I don't understand why churches that they the big popular thing is to show clips of a Hollywood movie and then we're gonna apply it to a verse in the Bible. Why use Hollywood as an illustration? When we got so many illustrations, the stories, the accounts that are there given to us that we may learn, that we may be encouraged. For example, Paul writes to Timothy, flee useful lust. And we know that the illustration is given to us in the book of Genesis where Joseph would flee from Potiphar, that young man. He flees from her. She made advances towards him. The Bible tells us we're to stand fast in the faith in the New Testament. It's told to us over and over again. And the illustration of that you can find in the Old Testament, Shammah, one of David's mighty men, there in 2 Samuel. 1 Chronicles, it's listed that he was told by the king, King David, He wasn't king at that time, but he had been anointed king. David said, I want you, Shammah, to stand here and guard this field. I want you to guard the lentils. And so Shammah says, okay, I'm going to plant myself here. And the cry goes out that the Philistines are coming. And he heard the command of the king. He said, I'm going to stand fast here. And he defeated the Philistines. And as the enemy comes against you and I, we're to stand fast in the faith. So we have the truths given to us in the New Testament. Oftentimes you'll find the illustration in the Old Testament. And Paul writes what I'm referring to with Abraham and Hagar and Sarah. This is symbolic. Hagar and Ishmael as well as Sarah and Isaac are pictures meant to illustrate his point. These are two covenants. One covenant is associated with Mount Sinai, the place where Moses received the law of God. And it gives birth to bondage. Why? You know the answer. We've already seen we can't keep the law. We transgress the law. The law is perfect. The problem is you and me. The law confines us. It doesn't set us free. It doesn't bring life. It doesn't make us righteous. It declares that we're not righteous. And it points us to our need for the Savior, Jesus Christ. And as Hagar, who was a slave, brought forth the son, so does the law. It brings us into slavery. And not only does it correspond to Mount Sinai, but to Jerusalem, which now is. Now, commentators have a little bit different view on this. Is it referring to uh, the Jews at that time, the Judaizers, the legalists, that were keeping themselves under the law? He mentions Jerusalem. It's interesting that Jerusalem... Being the capital, when Paul's writing this, is the capital of Israel today. And that's where the temple was. The sacrifices were done. That's where the feasts were celebrated. But as Paul's writing this, that Jerusalem was under the bondage of Rome, occupied by Rome. So his point, just as Hagar was a slave and gave birth, it is a symbol of the law that was birthed and came forth at Mount Sinai and brought the Jews into bondage. just as Jerusalem and her children, the Jews, were enslaved to the Roman Empire. Interesting. Read John chapter 8. Jesus is telling of uh, the witness uh, that comes from the Father. The witness of his works. The religious leaders are very angry at Jesus. And Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. And they responded to him by saying this. We're Abraham's descendants and we have never been enslaved to anyone. It's like, really? What about the Babylonians? What about the Medes and the Persians? What about the Greeks and... Alexander the Great. What about Rome that was occupying Israel at that time? What do you mean you haven't been enslaved to anyone? And so Hagar corresponds to Mount Sinai, bondage, but verses 26 and 27, Sarah corresponds to the Jerusalem above. Speaking of the new Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem, I can't wait for the new Jerusalem. Revelation chapter 21, the new heaven, the new earth, the new Jerusalem, where that's going to be, where we're going to be forever with the Lord. And Hebrews declares that Abraham looked for a city not made with hands, but whose maker and builder is God. You see, he looked for that celestial city. The celestial city is free, and so Sarah, who is the free woman, is the mother of all grace and that freedom, grace, salvation, based upon the redemptive work of Jesus Christ and our faith in him. So Paul here, he's quoting from Isaiah chapter 54, verse 1. There, when we read verse 27 of Galatians 4. That those who are coming to Christ by the new covenant, faith in Jesus Christ, they are free, whether Jew or Gentile. Having many more children, speaking of the new covenant, will outnumber the physical descendants of Abraham. Remember the promise. That through your seed, singular, all the nations of the earth will be blessed, Abraham. And I can't help but think about that great multitude that's standing before the throne of God in Revelation chapter 5. Singing that new song that you have redeemed us out of every tribe, tongue, people, and nations by your blood. That's the song of the church. That's us singing that song. And now Paul's going to kind of wrap everything up here in this section of chapter 4. Remember, chapters 1 and 2, he's defending the gospel of grace. Chapters 3 and 4, he's been defining the gospel of grace. After the New Year's, we'll go into chapters 5 and 6, which are very important, how it is that we walk in grace. In verse 28, though, as we're going to finish chapter 4 this morning, now we, brethren, as Isaac was our children of promise— but as he who was born according to the flesh then persecuted him who was born according to the spirit, even so it is now. I like that. That we're children of the promise. And a promise has been given to us that when we come to him and confess we are sinners in need of the cross of Jesus and ask him to be our Lord and Savior, we have a promise that we become the children of God. John 1 Verse 12, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name, who are born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. The story of Abraham continues. Book of Genesis, chapter 21. Isaac finally, finally, finally is born. The fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham and Sarah And after Isaac is weaned, that is, he goes from the milk to eating solid food. He's a little bit older. Abraham has a feast to celebrate the occasion. You and I are to celebrate in our hearts, to have great joy. When we begin to grow in God's word, we're to go from the milk of the word to the meat of the word. Remember in the book of Hebrews, that the writer of Hebrews, that he was concerned for those first century Hebrew believers. They said, you're still dribbling in milk. You should be taking on solid food. And you and I, to grow in faith, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. The way to grow, there's no other shortcut, is you keep growing in the word of God. And you should go, all of us, from the milk of the word, and that's what we take on when we're... Young in the Lord, when we first come to Christ, when we're young Christian babies. But then we grow and we take on the meat of the word. And it should be a celebration when we as parents, when we're teaching our kids, they're young, and we're teaching them Bible stories and, and teaching them the scriptures and raising them in the ways of the Lord. And then they begin to grow. And all of a sudden, they're taking on the meat of the word. It's such joy, isn't it? It's a reason to celebrate. Maybe there's somebody you're discipling that just came to Christ, and you're doing Bible study with them, and you start to see them go from the milk of the word to the meat of the word. It's an occasion to celebrate in our hearts what God is doing. So Isaac, he's taking on solid food, and at this Feast that Abraham is having for his son, Isaac's half brother Ishmael, who is a teenager at the time, begins to mock and make fun of Isaac. And Sarah saw it and was ticked off and said to her husband Abraham, You must send Hagar and Ishmael off. We can't live together. Send them away. And Abraham was very discouraged at that time. But the Lord spoke to Abraham and said, Abraham, listen to your wife. Oh, by the way, husbands, here today, it's an illustration of what the New Testament says in 1 Peter chapter 3, that you're to live with your wife in an understanding way. In other words, the things that are important to her need to be important to you. And understand this, that your wife can hear from the Lord Oh, yeah, we lead our families. We're to leave our homes and what goes on underneath our homes and our children. We're the head of the wife, to love her as Christ loves the church. But you live with her in an understanding way and know this, that the Lord can speak through her. And I know that the times that Sue has said to me, there are times where I've come downstairs and she's been having her devotion and she said that the Lord gave me this verse and I just want to share it with you. My antenna goes up spiritually, my ears open up, and it's like, wow, the Lord really has spoken to you. And it has blessed me so much. So don't just dismiss her. Listen to your wife. Live with her in an understanding way. Because God says, if you don't, your prayers are going to be hindered. It's one of the few times that we read in the scripture where he says, your prayers will be hindered if you're not doing that. So as we read this, we know that the Lord spoke to Abraham. Listen to Sarah. And Hagar and Ishmael are sent away. And Paul says, remember that it was Ishmael born according to the flesh, persecuting Isaac, the one born according to the spirit. It was Ishmael that mocked Isaac, Even so, it is now what is meant by that. This is important. Listen. Legalism. Those who are trusting in rules and regulations and my performance and everything, legalism, if you yoke yourself to it, legalism will mock and make fun of and look down on and will persecute those who live in the liberty and freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. And those who are enjoying the free gift of salvation, you see that's what was happening to the believers of Galatia. What do you mean, you know? They had joy. They They received Paul. He said that you would have plucked out your own eyes when I first came to you. And now you're rejecting me because I give you the truth? And they were losing that joy, that freedom. So how did Ishmael mock Isaac? Well, we don't know for sure, but there are many that believe that He, being the elder son, thought that, well, I'm going to be the heir to my father's estate. You're just a little, you know, it's like a teenager mocking a little kid. I'm the heir. I'm the firstborn. Isaac, you're nothing. Hey, I'm the heir to my father's estate. The covenant will go through me. Those who look to put themselves under the law hey, I'm the heir to the Heavenly Father because I've kept the law, because I've kept the rules and regulations, my performance, some would say, and still do today, as Paul writes. And legalists mock those who are free in Christ. And they will say, what do you mean? You're the heir to the Father. You can't be. You can't consider yourself a son or a daughter of God because you don't do this or you don't keep that or you're not really spiritual and you're just... A spiritual waste, and you 're not an adopted son or daughter, and those Gentile believers at that time, and there are those today, they have come to faith in Jesus, and now all of a sudden they 're told that you need to earn your favor with God, you need to earn salvation to have merit, and you need to earn his love and they were saying, okay, we got to put ourselves under the law, under rules and regulations, and I will emphasize my works to gain God's approval. And eventually what will happen is anyone who yokes themselves to legalism will begin to mock those who live in the liberty and grace and love of Jesus Christ. But you see, it's not just those who are around you, but oftentimes it can be a voice within you that that mocking comes I know I've been through this. I don't know if I'm really a Christian. I really have to prove my spirituality. i got to get down to business. I need to gain God's approval and acceptance because he must be just so frustrated with me and embarrassed with me. And you begin to listen to that voice that says you have to earn your right standing with God. So you have those around you, the voice within you, and then as we discussed last week, the enemy who comes to you, the accuser, the brethren who accuses you day and night, he mocks us. You're not good enough. You really aren't a Christian. How can you think that? How can you do that? The Lord doesn't love you. You need to question your salvation. It's the mocking of Ishmael. And it becomes very hard And it begins to defeat us. And we're thinking, Lord, I do love you. I believe in you. I want to please you. But I I know I'm not good enough. Uh, I, I must be such a disappointment to you. Because I don't pray enough. And I don't read my Bible enough. And I don't serve hard enough. So I better get busy. And then the focus begins to be on what I have to do to please God to be righteous before him to really earn my keep. And perhaps some of you have been through relationships with a parent or a friend or maybe a spouse that you really had to work to earn their love. But the Lord loves you. And he proved his love for you that while you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you. And you can fall easily into the trap. My faith in Christ is not enough. So what do you do? Listen. When that happens. When Ishmael is persecuting you. Well let's finish the chapter. Verse 30. Nevertheless, what does the scripture say? Cast out the bondwoman and her son. For the son of the bondwoman shall not be the heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. This is so powerful and so important. What do you do? You don't just say, well, I'm going to be more religious. Listen, when we get to chapters 5 and 6, we're going to learn that living in the liberty is not for an occasion of sin. When there needs to be repentance... If we are sinning, the Lord is dealing with this. We need to repent. But it is not, I'm going to try harder, and I'm going to work more. But you say, away with the bondwoman, the law. Cast her out. Send her away, Hagar and Ishmael. We can't live together anymore. Because my relationship with you, Lord, is not based on legalism. It is based on faith. in in the finished work of the cross... And is living in a love for him. And walking in the spirit. He doesn't desire our fleshly Ishmael efforts. But there is one thing that he wants. He wants your heart. He wants your devotion. He doesn't want a legalistic relationship with you. He wants a loving relationship with you. And just loving him because of what he's done in saving you. His incredible grace and mercy. Not focusing on the things I do to be righteous before God. But focusing on him and what he has done for us. And providing for you and for me. Dying on the cross to set us free from the law. And now I live for you, Lord. And listen, he's brought us out of the world. Why would you want to go back to it? He's brought us out of the darkness into his light. We don't want to go back to the darkness. We are free because we know the truth. And Lord, I know you love me unconditionally, supremely, eternally, and I have the Holy Spirit of God is in my heart, God who dwells in my heart to help me and enable me to live in a way that you desire for me to. It's no longer listen, listen. It's no longer "I have to, and I've got to, and I better. It is now I want to." and I get to. And I am free. And I am free to live for you, and I am free not to sin. So I don't have to try to gain God's love and merit and approval in the energies of my own flesh. But as Galatians has declared, I'm justified by faith, and I live by faith. And you know what you're going to find? That when you live in love, as Paul said, that the law can be summed up in one word, that is love. Loving God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength is what Jesus said was the greatest commandment. Then loving others. As you're led by the Spirit, you will do so much more than if you try to do it in your own flesh. And you will do it with great joy and excitement. And the believers were losing that of Galatians. And don't you lose that. So, you yoke yourself to legalism, performance, this is what you do. You cast out the bondwoman, because she's not the heir. But we're children of the free. Amen? Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you. We thank you so much for these truths that are given to us. That we can embrace it and not complicate it but receive it and accept it. So, Lord, I thank you. I thank you that we can be encouraged in your truth in a gospel of grace, to yoke ourselves with Jesus Christ, the finished work of the cross, that we can come in faith and live by faith. I thank you we can be free because we know the truth and not be in bondage the performance or legalism. Lord, we want to live for you. We get to live for you because we love you. Because we're a new creation in Christ, the Holy Spirit living in our hearts, working in our lives. And I do want to pray if there's anyone here, maybe you're listening online or maybe later on the radio, perhaps you have never made a commitment to Jesus Christ. He is your salvation. Jesus went to the cross to die for you because he loved you. For God so loved the world he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The Bible says to repent. Quit going the direction you're going. Come and confess that you're a sinner. You're in need of Jesus. And then call out to him. For salvation and forgiveness and right relationship with the Father. It's only found in Him as you believe that He made atonement for your sins. The Son of God who rose from the grave. And you can do that right now. The invitation is to come. And sincerely in your heart you can pray, Jesus, I ask that you forgive me of my sins. I believe you died on the cross for me. For me personally. Made atonement for my sins. And I ask that you would be my personal Lord and Savior. And I thank you for this new beginning for your forgiveness I thank you for Lord by faith the promise that I have a spirit of adoption where I can cry out Abba Father I do want to know you walk with you grow in your word and I thank you for this freedom and forgiveness I now have because of what Jesus has done for me it's in his name that I pray And for all of us that, Lord, we marvel at the Christmas account given to us 2,000 years ago. And, Lord, may we never lose the impact that it should have on our hearts. That you cared about us so much that you gave your son. Lord, I pray that we would share that with others. But I also want to pray because I know there have been those who have come through the services that feel alone, who are hurting. they will remember that it was fulfilled. Emmanuel, God with us. God is with you. He'll never leave you or forsake you. And his promises are true for you. For those who will be traveling this week for Christmas, keep them safe. For those who have family, friends coming in, Lord, we pray that they get in safely. And we look forward to this Christmas and once again marveling at the Christmas story Jesus being born 2,000 years ago and then looking forward to what you have for us in the new year. So we go our way and we go out rejoicing in you and great things you have done. In Jesus' name.